Well, we've finally made it through a long, cold winter, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. Starting tomorrow. How many of you glad winter's over? Come on, where are the Southerners at? You're from the South, right? Yeah. We finally made it through a long, cold winter. It's spring, but the excitement of the new year is already worn off. And we're kind of in that open stretch, you know, before summer. Spring break's over. Easter is over. Tax day. Come on, Jesus, help me. It's almost over. And if you're not done, I'm not intending to create anxiety in you. But that would be counterproductive for the series we're on. But it is coming. There are no more school breaks left. For those of you in school, those end-of-the-year projects are coming near. Final exams, ACT testing, spring projects you want to do around the house and the yard before summer. Spring sports are winding down. And when you think about it, you go, whew. You ever, you ever have one of those events in your life that's like a month ago? You're like, that seems like a year ago. Because life is so busy now. And you look, you think spring is so busy. But is it really spring? Is it really spring that's busy? Or is it just all the time? Is it just the way we live life now? We are overwhelmingly busy, but chronically unsatisfied. Because we're saturated with stuff. Having stuff and doing stuff. And we are living life at a pace that is killing and stealing and destroying. Now we started a new series last week called Overwhelmed and we talked about uh, overwhelmed with discouragement. We had a lot of great feedback on that message. If you missed it, I, I would really encourage you um, to, to go on our podcast and get it. By the way, Apologies, our website crashed this morning, which is the reason it didn't come up. Uh, but we'll get it back up and running, and you can do all the things on it you want to do. Today, we're uh, continuing the series, and this message is uh, going to be about uh, overwhelmed by life. Last week, overwhelmed by discouragement. Today, overwhelmed by life. Now, today is going to be very different than last week. It's going to be very different than next week. Uh, we're going to do overwhelmed by failure and fear and some other things. But today I want to do more teaching, uh, so if you, you prob might have some things you want to write down, uh, because this will be geared a little bit more around a teaching. If you have a Bible, you might want to leave it open, a Bible app you're using, because we're going to look at several places in the Scripture this morning. I, I know this, if you ask someone how they're doing, the number one answer that you'll get, if you polled a million people, the number one answer you get is, I'm just so, what is it? I'm just so what? Tired from what? Being busy. Right? I'm just so tired or I'm just so busy. When did that become acceptable? When did that become the norm rather than being dysfunctional and unhealthy? When did that become normal? Now look, some of you won't have any idea what I'm talking about, maybe if you're 30 or under, but how many of you um, remember Little House on the Prairie? Come on, wasn't that a good show? Little House, Michael Landon and Living Out in the Prairie. You know, I always wanted to, uh, thought, oh, that'd be awesome to live there. But the thing is, I've been camping. I don't want to live out there. Like, I've done that, sort of. And I realized, that'd be nice for a day. It makes a nice calendar, like Norman Rockwell calendar, but life, like, that's got some downsides, too. But... 
If you've seen that show, or maybe Andy Griffith. Come on, everybody, right? Everybody knows the Andy Griffith show. Yes? You can whistle a little tune? Yeah. Yeah, there you go, right? Uh, okay, here's another one that is a little more obscure than those two. The Waltons. Yeah, remember the Waltons? Night, John Boy. Night, Mary Ellen. Remember that? Loved it. The Waltons, man. On Walton, that's the way it was. On Walton Mountain. Yeah, let's love it. But here's the thing, though. They worked hard, but like I don't remember any of those characters ever being overwhelmed. Like running crazy, running frantically. I realize it was TV, but it did kind of reflect that era, right? And I don't remember any of them like this, this frantic being overwhelmed and overstressed. What changed? We have too much stuff and too much stuff to do. When did it become okay to be so busy, to, to, to tolerate such destructive things in our, in our lives? And what is all that busyness doing for you anyway? Other than, as you said a minute ago, leaving you tired and overwhelmed and dissatisfied. You know one thing that I love about Jesus' life? He was never overwhelmed. Show me a place in the Bible you can find that Jesus is just wiping the sweat off. I don't know how this is going to work out. Like, I don't know if we're going to make it. Wringing his hands, pacing back and forth, eating a lot of chocolate, you know. When, when was Jesus ever like that? How am I going to get all this stuff done? How am I going to heal this leper? How, how am I going to walk on water? The Pharisees are after me. What's going to happen? Can you picture that? No, he walked in peace. He always had time to do the things that mattered the most. He pulled away with his father. He spent time with children. He mentored his disciples. He invested in other people. And Jesus has a plan for my life and yours. And it is that we would flourish and be fruitful. Look at John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, the devil, the enemy comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it to the full. So one of the reasons Jesus came to the earth is to give us full life. Let me give it to you another way this morning if you want to write this down. Jesus came so you could overflow with life, not be overwhelmed by it. But that's not like the current experience for most people. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus sees a, a fig tree that's full of leaves but has no fruit on it. Matthew 21, 18, early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Isn't it awesome to know that Jesus experienced normal things like we do, like hunger and fatigue, and he needed to sleep, and he needed to rest, and he needed a break, and he needed to go do his devotions, and he needed lunch. Jesus was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, you know, he thought, well, there's, there's a tree, it'll have something, I'll go eat that. He went up to it, and, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. It's like he, he was hangry. I mean, you know, he, he like, you're not going to feed me. You're not going to feed anybody. Immediately, immediately the tree withered, died. You know, I don't know if you've ever read that story and thought, that seems a little harsh. You know, there's a lot of ways to rebuke something without killing it. Maybe next year it'll have fruit, you know. But I mean, Jesus is never wrong. 
It seems a little harsh until you think about the purpose of the tree. The purpose of the tree was not to bear leaves. It was to bear fruit. And it wasn't fulfilling its purpose. I brought you a picture this morning of a, of a fig tree. That's a fig tree. Look how beautiful and green and leafy and full. Only one problem, there's no figs. I mean, it has every appearance of health and life that something good is going to happen. But maybe it's not telling the truth. Maybe it's not projecting reality. I think this fig tree is a prophetic picture of what our lives can look like when it's full of activity, but there's no fruit. Kind of like you look at your social media feed. Look at all the places that we've been. Look at all the things that we've done. Look how incredible our lives are. But is there fruit? I know you got leaves. Is there fruit? You were made to overflow with life, not be overwhelmed by it. John 15, which is where we're going to kind of center our thoughts this morning, verse 8, Jesus said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So all this talk about fruit this morning might have you a little confused, like, are we talking about apples, mangoes? What are we talking about here? Let me just try to unpack for a minute what the Bible's talking about when it talks about fruit. What does it mean when the Bible says it is to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit? What does that look like? i kind of narrow it down very simply this morning. It means one of two things. It either means the life of God is increasing in you. It's about increase. That's what fruitfulness is. It's about the life of God increasing in you. You are becoming more like Jesus. Galatians 5 gives us a very clear picture of what that fruit is, and I just want to show it to you this morning. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that what your life looks like? Are you living in love? Are you living in joy? Are you walking in patience? Do, do you exhibit kindness to other people and gentleness and goodness? Are you faithful? Are you a person people can depend on? Is that fruit flowing out of your life? If someone were to describe you today, how many of those words would they use about you? That's what it means to be fruitful. So it either means the, that the, the um, life of God is increasing in you, or it means the life of God is increasing in others because of you. So your, your, um, your family, your spouse, your children, those that you work with, those that you go to school with, those within your sphere of influence, those that are far away from God, because of your influence in their life, is the life of God increasing in them or is it decreasing? Are they moving closer to God or are they moving further away? Are they becoming more like Christ or are they becoming less like Christ? That's what it means to be fruitful. Either the life of God increases in you or the life of God increases in those around you because of what's coming out of you. So how do you overflow with that kind of life? How do you overflow with that kind of fruitfulness? John 15 
4 and 5, Jesus is telling this story, giving this metaphor, and he says to his followers, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. If this story were being told in America today, we probably would be talking about a tree rather than a vine, but you get the idea. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What are we talking about? The life of God increasing in you or the life of God increasing in those around you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That, that verse has always perplexed me because I thought, that's not true. I'd go to the mailbox, do things without God. You mean apart from you can do nothing? Apart from him, you can do nothing of eternal value. You can have a lot of leaves. You just can't have any fruit by yourself. Because it is the fruit of the Spirit. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a metaphor there. So how do you overflow with life? Let me give you some thoughts this morning. Number one, receive from Jesus. Did you notice, if you go outside, we're, we're so blessed in Alabama to be just loaded with trees and vegetation and all of that. If you go out today and watch a tree, I challenge you to go out and watch a tree. It's going to be very interesting what you see because that's all the branch actually does is rest on the tree. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't drive the tree, direct the tree. But, but the life of God is being produced, or the, or the life uh, from the root system is traveling up through the tree to the branch. It rests on the vine. You don't see a stressed out branch. You don't see a branch going, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? The tree's like, okay, calm down, it'll be all right. It just hangs there. That's why trees are so quiet. They just rest, and the root system and the trunk and all of that takes care of the branches. Are you receiving from Jesus? Are you taking in His Word? Are you spending time with Him? Are you staying connected to His people? Are you worshiping with His church? Are you receiving from Jesus? Uh, imagine, imagine this morning if um, you had a, a branch that decided to go off on its own and do its own thing. So uh, this morning, I, I brought a little branch with me just to kind of illustrate this. This is not from a fig tree. I don't have any fig trees in my yard. This is from a crepe myrtle. This poor little thing had God's purpose for this branch was to be a sermon illustration. It had no idea when it woke up this morning that this is where it would land. But can you imagine a little branch saying, oh, no, no, I don't need the tree. I don't need the roots. I don't need the sap. I don't need any of that. You know what? Can you imagine just looking out your window and a little branch dancing across and going over to the bird bath kind of, I'm going to get some water. Can you imagine a branch, you go down in the garage, it's done, made its way in the garage, just looking for fertilizer. I'm going to find some fertilizer, fertilize myself. Hey, wait, hey, there's an ant bed. Oh, no, we're going to knock that off the bottom of the tree. Can you imagine a branch walking around doing everything by itself? That would be, that would be crazy. And it would be, it would be terrible. This is how we look when we try to live the Christian life without Christ. When we try to live the Christian life disconnected from God. It just becomes a, a morality. It becomes a religion. And it's dead. 
Because it's disconnected from the root system that feeds it because it is not receiving any life and it is not in itself a source of life. It is only a receiver of life. So the question this morning is, are you receiving life? Are you receiving? A branch doesn't do anything. It just receives and it receives life and hydration and health. And if we don't receive from Jesus, we become stressed by everything. Everything's overwhelming, right? King David realized this in Psalm 23. You may recognize that chapter, the Lord is my shepherd. Unfortunately, when we think of that chapter, we probably think of, you know, when David wrote it, he was probably out by the beach somewhere laying in a hammock in paradise with a gurgling little stream beside him, petting a sheep, you know, just kind of playing a harp with one hand, eating grapes, pomegranates. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. Hey, relax. Every kind of like a hippie, hippie David, you know. Everything's going to be okay. When David wrote this psalm, he was probably in the worst circumstances of his life because his son had betrayed him and lied about him, and overthrown the entire kingdom. David's entire legacy and reputation and ministry had been taken away from him. And he had ran away, and he was hiding in a cave from his own son. Some of the most overwhelming circumstances in his life, in the back of a dark cave, hiding and running For his life from his son, he writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Because David knew, he learned, that in order for the life of God to overflow from within you, and not to be overcome from what's outside of you, you had to receive from God. When do you receive from Jesus? Oftentimes, the first place we should go is the last place we do go. When Jesus starts to work on our fruitfulness, isn't it interesting that the first place He starts is with the care of our own soul? Think about it. He's working on fruitfulness. You would think he would start with accountability or responsibility or skills or tasks or, you know, motivation or some of those things. But the place Jesus starts is with the care and the, and the fulfillment and the overflow of our own soul. That's where he starts. So how do you overflow with life? Here's the second thought. First, receive from Jesus. Second, work with Jesus. Work with Him. Too many times we find ourselves at odds with the work that Jesus is trying to do in our life. Sometimes we're overwhelmed because we're actually working against Jesus. He's trying to go this way and we keep running into him because we're going the other way and he's leading us to better places but we're not following. 
One of the most loved pictures in Scripture of Jesus is that He is our shepherd. We like that because He cares for us and He guides for us and He protects the sheep. But there's another picture in Scripture that we almost never talk about of God, and it is the picture of a gardener. We see that picture in Revelation chapter 3 at the end times when Jesus is walking among the seven churches and he is cutting back and adding and tending to the root system and he's, he's preparing that church to be fruitful. There's a picture there of a gardener. We also see it here in John 15. Look at John 15, 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says. So who does that make his father? The gardener. I am the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In John 15, the main focus of the gardener is the fruitfulness of the branch. That's his main concern. And his, the health and fruitfulness. And his primary work in helping the branch become, and the vine become fruitful is by cutting things out. That's a whole different deal. Now, if you read this chapter in context, there's a very stiff truth here. Jesus is the vine. The Father's the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. So when this verse talks about cutting off the branches, it talks about removing a person from the vine. Like, that's... That's sobering if you think about it. Whole branches are being moved. I, I, I don't think the point is, you better get busy. You better work harder. You, know, you better show up every time the doors are open or you're going to hell. I don't think that's the point of this at all. The point's not you better get going or Jesus, God's going to cut you off the vine. That's not the point. The point is if you live a fruitless life, it is because you've already disconnected yourself from the vine. That's, that's why the connection is so vital. It's, a fruitless life is proof that you're not connected. It's not that he's taking a chainsaw out and cut you off. Cut yourself off. So what I want to do is take these spiritual principles of gardening that John 15 teaches and just see how they might apply in our lives individually like in a, a microcosm. If we're going to work with Jesus to be fruitful, part of that work's going to be cutting things out. So what are the things that Jesus is working to cut out of my life and yours? Let me give you three of them this morning. The first one is um, dead things. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, verse 2 says. So there are harmful things, things that produce death, addictions and unhealthy relationships and sinful habits and unforgiveness. And you have to trust God enough to let him cut that stuff out of your life. Ephesians chapter 4.22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, you can't leave a dead branch on the tree because it will spread and infect the whole thing. It'll create decay. 
I remember when I was uh, about 16 years old and I had been a believer about a year. And my life with God started with great um, enthusiasm and passion and joy. It, it, was, it was revolutionary to me. I didn't, I didn't sneak into the kingdom and I didn't, you know, it was dramatic. It was dramatic, dramatic change. I had a friend, of, of, as long as I can remember being alive, I had a friend in my life. We, he moved in his house uh, when he was a year old and I moved down the street six months later. And our parents still live in those houses today. 40, 46 years later, both families still live there. He was my best friend my whole life. There's nothing we didn't share. We shared everything. And I can remember when the Holy Spirit came to me. He's not a believer, never been a believer, never followed God. And it's not, we didn't do, really do bad things together. We were friends. But he was going a whole different direction than I was. And I remember when the Holy Spirit came to my heart and said, it's time to cut that friendship out. And I thought, why? It's not producing any fruit. And it's not going to produce any fruit. This is, a, this is a dead thing, and it's part of your former life. It won't be part of your new life. Now, I ever went to his house and rang the doorbell and said, you gone. <laughs> I never did anything like that. I loved him and love him. He was a dear friend. And I wasn't at a stage at that point in my Christianity I could do much evangelism, although I tried to reach out to him. It's just that the Holy Spirit was redirecting my path. And as I kept growing in God, my friendships changed, my community changed, my mentors changed. Everything about my life drifted another way, and we just simply drifted apart. As I look back, I realized the Holy Spirit wasn't so much saying to me, you go and cut that relationship out. He was saying to me, I'm cutting it out, follow me. And that's what happened. And I drifted a whole different direction. I don't know what it is that's not producing any eternal fruit that needs to be cut out of your life. But I'm almost certain that you know. Because the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about it. Because that's what he'll do. Because he loves you and he wants you to be fruitful. The, the second thing that, that the Holy Spirit will cut out are good things. And I, I guess that really might fit my friendship that I had better, uh, maybe, than dead things. But like the fig tree that was full of leaves but had no fruit, it looked the part, it just didn't produce anything. Jesus will cut out things in our life that may not be evil or sinful, but they don't produce anything because there's no increase in the life of God in you or in those around you. Maybe you've heard it like this, good is the enemy of best. And to be honest with you, oftentimes in suburban America, that's where we're most tempted to live. Things that fill our life with activity, with full leaves, full green leaves. Looks healthy, looks good, but it produces no fruit, no eternal impact. And the main reason we go here is because we don't fully understand the impact of saying yes to everything. Think about that for a minute. Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. It's one of the only words we can use that means two things always. When you say yes to something, you say no to something else because the margin is not left in your life to do both. 
Do you know what a swamp is? A swamp is a river that didn't know which way to go. A swamp is a river that didn't know how to say no. So it tried to have it all. And there are, there are things in our life, good things, that take energy and effort and focus, but it produces no fruit. This is the significant life we kind of project on social media. You know, look, at, look how green my leaves are. Look how many leaves I got. And it's just a clanging symbol and a, a, a clanging noise. It doesn't produce any fruit. No life of God increasing. I recently heard a, a story a, um, a staff pastor at another church told, and I was so uh, impacted by it, I wanted to share it with you. He and his wife have four children, and uh, they had finished a season not long ago that was so busy and so overwhelming that life just ran by, and, and, it, and they said, really, to be honest with you, I don't even remember. Like, I don't even remember what we did. All I remember is we were busy and I'm tired. I don't really know what we did. And so through that process, Jesus started speaking to them about reevaluating in their life what was really most important. So they did something radical, radical, radical in America. They pulled all four of their children out of all sports, everything. They pulled their kids out of all extracurricular activities. They canceled as many invitations as they could, and they spent last summer just being together as a family. They kept it up through the fall, and he said people would ask him, what did you do? Like, what did you do? Weren't you bored? He said, bored? No. We had family nights and cookouts, and we took long walks together, and we talked. We had meaningful and deep conversations as a family and with our kids and with each other. And he said, to be honest with you, it's the best decision we've ever made in our family's life. It changed everything. And he said, I, 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 I'm not sure we're going back. Because we're now fruitful. We're overflowing with the life of God. We live in a consuming culture. What I mean by that is we consume things and things consume us. And my suggestion, I'm just going to make a suggestion. Like Paul said, this is not a command of the Lord. This is a suggestion. My suggestion is for every family in this church, find a season. Doesn't matter, summer, winter, spring, fall, whatever it is, before your children leave home because it is shorter than you think. Find one season before they leave home and cancel everything. Pull them. We're not going to do whatever it is, spring league, we're not, whatever it is. Cancel everything. Uh, cancel sports, cancel extracurricular, and eat dinner together, sit at the table. Remember what long meals feel like, have conversations about life, play, rest, walk. And, and I'll give you three things to focus on in that time. We're talking about three months, 90 days. Focus on spiritual life. Focus on relationships and focus on health. I, I strongly encourage you, take one season, one, and focus on those things in your life and find out what kind of life has God really called you to, one of being overwhelmed or one where you overflow.
so, you know, maybe now, now somebody's going to go and say, hey, Pastor Jay told me I don't, I don't need to serve in youth ministry anymore or in children's ministry or on the worship team all summer because I'm cutting that out. Wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you a question. Does that serving increase the life of God in other people? Then it is fruitful. I'm not saying cut fruitful things out. I'm saying cut the things out that produce no fruit. So the answer is, Pastor Jay didn't say that. (laughs) Are there any good things God's trying to cut out of your life? Last one, fruitful things. Now, this one is the most confusing. uh, Because this is the one we read and go, wait, 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 wait. I thought the whole point of all of this carrying on was about being fruitful. Isn't that what it's, what it's about? So why would we cut that out? Why do we need to cut out fruitful things? Verse 2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do to it? He prunes it. Why? So it'll be more fruitful. Do you know you have a, if you're fruitful, do you know you have a reward coming? Do you know what the reward is? Pruning. The reward you earn from being fruitful is that God will prune you. Now, I, I, I want to speak specifically to those of you um, who tend to excel in faithfulness. Because this is a very confusing season for a believer who has excelled. It was very confusing for me in the times I've gone through it and it would, may tend to be confusing for you because you say, wait, 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 what did I do wrong? Why is God shrinking me? Why is God cutting me back? Why am I taking a back seat right now? Why is God asking me to give up things that are fruitful? Why does it feel like my life is, is shrinking? Because God is committed to you having amazing fruit. He doesn't want you to have good fruit. He wants you to have amazing fruit. And the only way he can do that is to prune. Less branches means more fruit. Some of you are in a season of pruning right now, and it feels so backwards, so counterintuitive. Why am I on the sideline? Why am I here? Why am I stuck? Why am I not moving forward? I remember other times in my life when I was so fruitful. Can I tell you, listen to me, son and daughter of God. God is pruning you, not to limit you, not to hurt you, but so that another season will come. Spring's going to come again, and you're going to explode with fruit. Because that's how God works. I remember leaving youth ministry, and it had been an incredible run, six years of phenomenal fruitfulness, the most fruitful, spiritually fruitful season of my entire life. And when God began to prune me, it felt backward. It was hard. It was very hard. I'd never faced that on that level before. But God pruned me back so that I might enter another season. And we went through Hurricane Katrina. And then we came here. And as I look back now, I see what the pruning has produced. So much more fruit than I ever knew before. God is committed to your fruitfulness. 
John 15, 11, I have told you, so why do you tell me all this? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. God's going to cut some stuff out of your life, not because he's some terrible ogre, because he wants you to know the same joy he knows. There's a joy that comes from fruitfulness that is unlike any other joy on earth. It's not overwhelmed, it's overflowing. Abundant life, full life. It's the way to live. Are you willing to trust God to be a good gardener? Because that's really what it comes down to. Do I trust the person holding the axe? Do I trust the person with the hedge clippers? Is this going to hurt? A little. A little. But wait till next season. You'll be so glad. Sure. And I feel like so many times we hunker down in fear that we're going to lose of losing something because we don't trust the gardener. He will not take anything from you that he won't return in multiple levels. He's a multiplier. Let me say it one more time this morning before we end. Jesus came so you could overflow with life, not be overwhelmed by it. How's that going for you? I want to ask this morning if you'd stand with me as we close. I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come. This has been more, more teaching. I hope it's been fruitful. <laughs> no pun intended. Pun intended. I sh- I'm lying. Pun intended. But as our prayer team comes, I want to end this a little differently today. Kingwood Church is nearly 90 years old. And this church has been a phenomenally fruitful church, both in this community and all over the world. There, there is, who knows, only God knows the stories and the generations that have been blessed and fruit has been produced in, in lives who now number all over the world from this church. But here's what I know. We are presently in a season of pruning. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, there's bad people we're trying to chase away so we can be... No, no, no. Say things like that. (laughs) It means that God is, is, is focusing our church, is narrowing our church, is, is pruning our church because the next season in Kingwood's life is going to be an explosion of fruit. That's what it means. I, everything inside me that I know about pastoring and ministry and the Bible and spiritual life and because I've been through pruning personally tells me the Kingwood Church is in a present season of pruning. And so we will be looking at in the future, what are we going to cut back? What are we not going to do? And it's not going to be because, hey, is something wrong? It's going to be because, no, 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 no. We're repositioning for a more fruitful future. 
That's what it's about. Now here's what I, I believe. I know to be true. If Kingwood Church is in a season of pruning, it means that many of you are in a season of pruning. Why? Because you are the church. The church isn't a logo. It's not a structure. It's not an entity. It's not a government. This church is a body. You are a cell. And the body and the cell doesn't experience different things. We experience the same things. And so if God is pruning Kingwood, God may be doing some pruning in you. Because it's the season that we're in together. So I don't know what that looks like for you. But, but would you with me, every eye closed, and would you just open your heart? And let's just go to the Lord now in prayer. And so here's what I, I want to do, two things. One is simply this. If you are in a season where you are overwhelmed and you need God's touch today, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It just is. I know that this series is for you. And I know that this moment is for you. And God's first place of ministry in your fruitfulness is the care and the fullness of your own soul. So if that's where you are today, you're overwhelmed, would you just lift your hand and say, hey, would you pray for me today? Because circumstances may be completely out of your control. Man, I've been there. <laughs> that's been some of the most overwhelming moments of my life. Whatever it is, man, I'm a little overwhelmed today and I just need God's touch. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me? Yeah, thank you. Just lift your hand up. Yeah, thank you, thank you. A little overwhelmed right now and I just need God's touch. Come on, just lift your hand up and let me see it. It's okay, man. This is a safe place. Yeah, thank you. God's going to touch you. He loves you. Man, He loves you. He wants to care for you. He wants to fill you. He, don't want, he doesn't want you to be overwhelmed. It's not His will that you live overwhelmed. It's just not. So, so here's what I want to do. Those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to come and find a prayer team member and let them begin to pray for you and minister to you. Now, as you're coming, with every other eye in the room closed, I want to talk to everybody else. So if you need prayer, I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. And just let the prayer team begin to pray for you. And let Jesus minister to you. He loves you. And He wants to strengthen you and fill you and help you. He wants this overwhelming, this overwhelming pressure to drop off your life. So I want you to come now. If, if you're not coming for prayer, everyone else, I want you to listen for a moment. I want to pray with you where you are because I want you to ask Jesus right now. If, if we're in a season, a season of pruning as a church, then you're probably in a season of pruning as a person. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now to tell you, God, what is it that you're trying to cut out of my life? What is it? That, is it a good thing? Is it a dead thing? Is it a fruitful thing? The Holy Spirit is making adjustments in your life and in this church. He's shifting things and moving things and changing things. And so that's not going to exclude you. That's going to include you. So what I want you to do is I want you to begin to pray right now. And I'm going to pray with you. I want you to turn your prayer to Him. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, for every person in this room, including me, God, I want to know, I honestly and sincerely want to know, 
what is it that you are you are cutting what is it you're trying to cut out of my life what is it that you're shrinking or removing or casting away so that I might be more fruitful I might be more like you and I might make an impact on those around me Lord I, I pray today you would speak I pray you would speak and minister minister life and minister care and hope and help peace so that we wouldn't be even overwhelmed in our external fruitfulness in our ministry but that we would be fruitful abundantly fruitful as you're as you're praying there would would you with your eyes closed would you just do me a a quick favor if you say as I was praying or maybe even before today I believe I know what it is that God is trying to cut out of my life. If you know what that is, I'm not going to ask you to do anything but lift your hand. Would you just lift your hand and say, I know what that is. I know, I know there's something God is removing. I, I know what it is. Just lift your hand up and just leave it up. Just leave it up all over the room. I know what's being cut. I know what's being removed. I know what Jesus is taking out of my life. Lord, I, I pray for everyone who knows that you would give us the strength now to work with you and I pray for everyone who doesn't know if the season is right that you would make it clear to all of us each one of in us individually you make it clear what you're doing in our life that we might cooperate with you now Lord I pray a blessing over this church and I pray a blessing over every mom and dad and husband and wife and young person and I pray today Lord that you would move us to a place of greater fruitfulness in Jesus name Jesus name if you need prayer our prayer team's going to stay our worship team's going to begin to sing a little bit we love you I hope to see you tonight at soak at 5:30 God bless you your love